You're listening to Death of the Reader. This is Flex and Herds here on your Murder Mystery World Tour. We have reached Herds, another fork in the road. A fork in the road? Is that what they're calling this? Well, <laughs> we are a literature show here, but oh above a literature show, we are a murder mystery show. Mm-hmm. And Herds, as respectable Australian citizens, uh-huh. uh, I have to let you know that there is a much acclaimed... Australian murder mystery series that is taking to the silver screen. Yes. That we have just walked out of the theater Ms. from. Miss Fisher and the Crypt of Tears. I think the first thing I want to address with this herds mm. is who this movie is for. Yeah. Obviously, fans wanted more of Miss Fisher after the end of the third season, and this movie was a long time coming, had a lot of fan push behind it. We'll talk mm. about that coming up shortly. But I, having watched this film, I'm not sure if this is like a movie for fans. I think mm. the way I enjoyed this most was sitting there as a movie buff and giggling at all of the things that they, you know, did right, did wrong, and mm. like picking apart things. There's a fantastic scene in there where they do a bunch of fencing, and <laughs> I've I've competed at fencing in the past, I've coached fencing in the past, and just sitting there watching the actors struggle to pull that scene off was was so much fun because it was kind of endearing. Yeah. But I don't I don't know where this kind of balance lies. Where like, is this a movie for fans? Is this a movie for new introduction yeah. to the series? I feel like it has to be for the fans. Like I feel like that's where the a lot of the budget comes from. Is yeah. where a lot of the the interest is coming from with this story. I think that is a very faithful mm. uh kind of adaptation of the the Miss Fisher stories, the silver screen. I think that has to be where it's going. Yeah. Um, just given by the the priorities of the, mil- the movie itself. Mm. Yeah, I do think that this movie is definitely worth seeing. Before, so before we get on with the rest of this, where we're going to, I mean, we're going to rail on this film <laughs> because it is a bit bad, oh, but goodness. I still had a great time seeing it. And I think that if you are interested by the premise of Australian femme fatale detective goes on a foreign adventure and things go wrong, go see it because it's a, it's good to support particularly, you know, local films here in Australia. Um, it's good to support these you know, smaller projects that are driven by yeah, fans. Sure. I think that it is fantastic contextually in its place in the murder mystery sphere here in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's also not a fantastic film. But it's not. Look, here's yeah. the thing. If you watch this film and you liked it even a little bit, I think go check out the TV series. See how you like that. Yeah. Go get into that. I believe that they're making like a modern reboot as well. Like, look, I'm ready for Some that. relation of Miss Fisher years on. Like I, her daughter or something, and she has like coach her. Well, like, I don't I think she ever has. I think it's like her sister's daughter or well, something well, like that. Well, it's close enough. Point, it's the, the mother daughter point being even if the even if the main show is done there will still be more coming in the pipeline and maybe another movie it. if this does well look maybe the second one will be better i'm looking forward to it i, I, have, I have faith i genuinely would be i yeah. genuinely would look forward because i feel like the mistakes that they made in this film are very genuine and easy to learn from mm-hmm, mm-hmm. look all I'm first gonna... of all first of all before <laughs> we get started hurts okay Sure, hold me back. Hold me back, Gearplex. Spoilers will be in the second and third parts of this episode. The first yep. 10 minutes is going to Spoiler be... Spoiler-free. General observations. Yep. We're going to talk about how we felt, what we think could have been done better, the the highlights of the yes. show. Look, I'll tell you what, I want to get the good stuff out of the way, because uh-huh. that's how I feel about this. I would like to say, I believe this is like with the show. I haven't seen the show. I haven't seen the TV series. There were uh-huh. three series of Miss Fisher and... And such and such, yes. and you know, insert title here. The costuming was fantastic. It I just want to say that phenomenal. out the gate. I loved all of the different outfits that Miss Fisher actually, you know, wore mm-hmm. during the show, and the uh, attempt to, you know, re 
construct this like 1920s London with all the outfits and the mannerisms. Um, Poorly CG'd in background. Shh, apart from the CG. Look, the <laughs> CGs we won't talk about. The lake that I'm pretty sure wasn't real doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, it's all right. Let's not get started on that. But the actual practical, you know, props and outfits I thought were fantastic. Always, I thought everything always. looked gorgeous. Everything was yeah. set up very I, nicely. I should say, for those of you that yeah. aren't familiar, uh, herds included, uh-huh. uh, Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries is an Australian uh, crime fiction television series yes. starring Essie Davis as Franny Fisher, a, I suppose, femme fatale lady detective. Supposedly. Uh, who is always costumed phenomenally. Yes. Always well on top of situations beyond it. She's like, she's like competent Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah, more or less. And um, a little less goofy, I'd say. Though who is as goofy as Captain Jack Sparrow? Yeah, it's it's really it's really a fun show. My family is massively into it. I've only seen a few of the episodes of the show. It's good. But when my family started hankering to go see this movie, I was like, "All right, fine, we'll cover it on the show." Yeah, which which we're doing right now. It's history of the making. In in essence, Franny Fisher is wrapped up in a dramatic deal mm. somehow or other with a uh, Palestine in the nineteen twenties, the late nineteen twenties. Yep, and. Uh, so there's curses involved. There's crypts involved. There may be magic. We have unconfirmed instances of supernatural magic. Yes, but that's w- one of know. the one of the curious things about this film is that I don't think it establishes its own premise. No, until about a third or more of the way I'd through say the halfway movie. Through the movie is when it finally we 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 get the title drop. Spoilers, minor yeah. spoilers. Which, which, which is not to say that things weren't set up in the first part of the oh movie. Oh my goodness, that's the problem, though. <laughs> but the the stakes are not established until no. very far in. No, no. This movie takes a long time to get properly interesting. Mm. Um, the opening sequence is is pretty exciting, but then it slows down for a good long while. And honestly, that is the biggest problem that I have with this film. It spends far too much time establishing characters that are not actually going to be relevant, more or less, for the rest of the film and, like, telling you what's going on on the screen. Like, no spoilers, but there is there is a sequence where we are given a, a flashback of one of the, I mm-hmm. believe, new characters in this story that isn't part yes, of the series. Yes, new characters. Um, we get a new character. We get to see, like, a, you know, a shot of their, like, their life as a child and, like, there's a lot of implied emotions about their relationship with their mother. And you're thinking, oh, this is a nice subtle flashback. There's like this beautiful, like tribal kind of music in the background. I can understand the context of the scene based on what's being shown. And then we cut back to the present and that character says, ah, I've realized this thing about my mother and my relationship with her. And it was like, you didn't we need, just did that. You didn't need to explain it. We just saw it on the screen. And there's so many moments like this that just, it blows my mind. Yes, there's there's oh. a lot of telling and not much showing that no, goes on in this movie. Not at all. I think particularly one of the most obnoxious ones is when they cut to Melbourne after uh, the initial <laughs> setup of yes. the film. And we see a few of the the main characters from the original TV show, and it basically explains why they can't be in the rest of the movie. But it is so stilted. You know, Dot, one of the, you know... She forgets. Yeah, Dot (laughs) steps out of a car in tears, having discovered, uh, you know, some tragic news. Yep. And... Um, she says, we need to tra- We need to go right away. We need away. to go to London. And then her <laughs> husband goes, 
you can't go in your state. And she looks down at her pregnant belly and basically goes, oh yeah, I'm pregnant. Oh, the baby. Oh goodness, I'd forgotten. They don't go far enough to say, "I like, you're pregnant, darling. You shouldn't be traveling. It's not like a word of advice. It's like a reminder as if yeah. you'd forgotten. Yeah. It's fantastic. Like, And, and don't get me wrong. For, for all of the terrible things that the telling not showing in this movie does, it's kind of hilarious. Look. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Like, we we were sat side by side giggling in the theater every time they, like, you know, they cut to that scene yep. and we're like, yes, come on, say it. No dialogue, no dialogue, no dialogue. And then it cuts and we both like, no! Yep. Yeah, it was, we threw our arms back in the cinemas. <laughs> People behind us were not happy. Um, no, like, here's the thing. I had a great time watching this film. See it with a friend. Maybe wait for it to come yeah. out on DVD or something and watch it at home with, mm-hmm. like, free reign to shout and throw popcorn on the screen. Yeah. I I think the interesting thing is this movie was crowdfunded, partially crowdfunded by fans of the show. Fans of the show are fervent in their their joy of this show. We've set up a trust to keep uh, keep track and display the costumes from the show, deservedly Mm. so, Mm -hmm. as we've covered. Um, And, you know, basically to keep some creative control, I believe, this film was partially crowdfunded, like an an eighth of its budget. And this movie, I think, was basically filmed on the budget of eight episodes worth of the show. Right. Yeah, and again, I, I will say the scale of this is significantly higher than the normal episodes of the mm. show. So it's not like you're getting nothing special. True. I think that enough. this is still for fans of the show a special production that they will enjoy. Sure. But I don't Everybody think. Else, though. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, you know, I wouldn't call myself a fan of the show, but I've definitely been within the sure, circle. Sure, sure. Um, and I still, I still had a great time with it. Sure, you know, sure. it's one of those movies. I think I am so happy I went to see it. I had a great time. Mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. smiling the whole way through. There's, there's a lot of movies these days that I go and see where I'm sat in the theater thinking to myself, "Am I enjoying this?" Mm. There was no point in this movie where I even questioned. I was having a hoot watching this. You know what? That's fair. But it was goofy and yeah. it was not incredibly well put together. <laughs> but sometimes you can forgive a film for that, and it's not like I'm saying that this is like Tommy Wiseau's The Room, where it it's, it's hilarious. Not that bad. Yeah, it's not <laughs> hilarious because it's bad. It's charming. It's undercooked, yeah. but it's just a good time. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that if you are if you are looking for a new murder mystery flick to 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 go and have a look at, um, it definitely has some some globe trotting in it, which mm-hmm. I was pleasantly uh, surprised by. I was expecting to spend the entire time yeah. in London, but we do get to go to to Palestine. I was um, I was a little confused, and this mm. is largely a technical detail. You were confused. Oh my goodness! But anyway, <laughs> the a lot of the sets is clearly like here is a soundstage that is probably in London, maybe in Melbourne. We're not quite sure. But then you just get these spanning vistas of deserts, and I'm like, did they CG them in here? I don't know. Like, I'm not sure whether that was the only CG in the movie that worked or whether they actually spent the budget on going to these locations because there are definitely some of those particularly scenes out in the Mm. Middle East that, like, looked stunning. Some of the camera work over the deserts really, like... There was one shot in a flashback in particular yeah. where we're standing on a mountain kind of overlooking the desert from, mm. from above. That looked really good. Yeah, uh, which really which realistically was a pretty throwaway moment in the movie, for but sure, it still sure. looked stunning. And I'm I'm always happy to see that, you mm-hmm. know, the smaller details are given that breath of life. Yeah. I definitely think that the movie uh is it it takes strides when we are not cooped up in London. I feel like those parts of the film are the less interesting. Mm. Um despite you know, the costuming being great and all, but yeah. like, I love the cinematography of the the wilderness and the wasteland and seeing like, 
you know, all these like palaces <laughs> and villages and things. I love that. I would have loved to spend more time out there. There's a, there's a bit of a throwaway line early in the film about the black hand apparently being involved. And I'll be honest, I, I would have loved to have seen more of that, you know, mm. give me some Serbian nationalists. That'd be great time. I feel like that maybe might have been a bit bit too deep of a, a deep of a dig into history. No, Serbia. Look, the Black Hand is a wonderful little organization. Well, he, Great, he's big into ugh, noble ugh. noble murder. I'm mm. just saying. Okay, <laughs> scratch scratch that head. <laughs> The, the thing, the, the concern that I have is you're probably right. Yeah. That it would have been interesting to have some broader involvement of some of the things that they mention as being like the background setting for this movie. Sure, sure. However, mm. given how much it took for this movie to slowly exposit things oh to us, goodness. I'm concerned that if it did broaden its scope like that, all we would have had is more exposition. Yeah, this is the problem, isn't it? That it, it spends too much time on too little mm. too little space. Yes. Um, it spends a very long mm. time kind of unpacking these various relationships, yeah. saying, you know, oh, what happened to your daughter, Lady Jezebel, who I know from cross-country that we did the other week? Like, yes. that's how a lot of the dialogue mm. is for the first half yeah, of the film. Yeah, it, it very much suffers from that trope of particularly television murder mystery, yep. where the characters walk into a scene and it's like you're reading out a roster of the cast. Yes, yes. Which I can understand, because sometimes murder mystery books have to resort to that by putting mm. a cast list in the books. Yep, yep. That is totally yeah. fair, and mm. I don't think that it's a problem that the movies do it. I just think that there have been better examples of integrating it. For sure, for sure. Um, I don't want to lean on Knives Out, so I will <laughs> instead lean on another film, Sure. put it in the present with something like Avengers Infinity War. I'm not a huge mm. fan of that movie, but... Even, I think, if you didn't know who all of these characters were 29 yep. films in, you would still get enough information without them sitting down and being like, ah, oh, yes, I, Iron yeah. Man will... Literally sit around in a circle and introduce the person. Yeah, them. yeah for sure. like they, they managed to pull that off to the point where my mother, who has not watched most of the other films, mm. was able to follow, like, okay, this is this character who is, like... It's yeah, yeah. not tidy, but it still does yes. it. And yes. I think that this movie could have achieved more of a, yep. a middle ground by doing something like, you know, having a few more flashback scenes rather than, oh, yes, Lord Lofthouse and Lord Lofthouse's brother. And you're like, I'm sorry, which? Who? The yeah. Starsh guy? The other yeah. guy? I mean, we'll, we'll get into this in the third part for yeah. sure, but I was I was fairly confused by the end of this movie, and I don't think due to lack of mystery solving, I think due to lack of focus on the Yes, on the we film's did part. spend the entire journey to the studio trying to iron out which characters Ben thought were which characters. <laughs> <laughs> This is, look, we're going to get into it. It's going to be great. I'm going to lose my mind. All right. We will continue talking about Miss Fisher and the Crypt of Tears coming up on Death of the Reader. You're listening to 2SER. You're listening to Death of the Reader. We are Flex and Herds. This is your murder mystery world tour, and our world tour has taken us to London, to Palestine, mm. to some random hole in the middle of the desert. <laughs> With CG water in it. Yes. Uh, <sighs> Spoilers are in, in case you've in case yeah. you've missed out. Like, we'll just get going. So get, get out of here if you don't want to be spoiled on Miss Fisher and the Crypt of Tears. This mystery was rubbish. The butler did it. The butler did it. <laughs> I want to let you know, I'm not normally one to talk in theaters, of course, as Flex can, can back up. But yes. when it turned out that the butler did it, who was also the father of two of the characters in the story, I turned to Flex and I said, the butler did it. 
and I raise my eyebrow. And then when we exit the theater, I had to ask, wait a second, how is the butler the father of these characters, but also serving them tea? Uh, what, who, what happened there? What insane methodology? <laughs> who put this story together? <laughs> so the, the Lofthouse brothers, uh, yeah, including Lord Lofthouse, Lord Lofty Lofthouse. Yeah, I remember Lofty. And, that was a drunk guy, right? Yes, and good, got him. Lieutenant Jonathan Lofthouse, who served in the Palestinian War, or who whatever. Was, who was a younger brother? Yes, it is and set up. Stole the gem. It is set up at the start of the film that Lofty Lofthouse, the older brother, was basically at home commanding things from the sideline while his brother was actually out in the field during the First World War. Yep, yep. That's set up. It's pretty easy to pick, I think, going into the tail end of the movie, mm. that of the three grave robbers, we know two of them, and the third one is probably going to be the brother that was out doing field work. Sure. If, you, if you're looking at, was it a fair mystery, and that's what you were trying to figure out, absolutely. The problem is when we get into the grave and you're like, oh, oh my goodness, it was Jonathan Lofthouse, and he's just here to, you know, set things right. Rather than the movie... Just letting things be. Yeah, just giving us the killer. They decide to pull a fast one and say, actually, I didn't kill anyone. I just went to the murder site and planted this priceless gem at the murder site, which is ridiculous. So that the detective could return it. Instead of, for example, going to the detective saying, hello, I have a guilty conscience. I'd like to return this gem to the desert. Why? Why did they hide it if they hadn't committed any murder since leaving Palestine? It doesn't make sense. Also, why go into a murder scene that just, like, the the gunshot went off and they ran up the stairs and apparently he had already gotten inside in that amount of time? Like, what happened there? What is the timeline of events? (laughs) It's insane. It's very, very confusing. I think Crippen's the butler who ends up being their father. Oh my goodness. You know, sure, they didn't know who their father was. They've been living with him as their butler his enti- like their entire lives. That's really the plot. That is that is the plot and mm. that is far-fetched, ridiculous, but I can accept Here's it. Easy thing. I want to say for the record, the moment that I tweaked on the butler maybe being like a, a servant who was helping someone out. Yes. Not the killer because that's ludicrous, but being involved in the crime was there is a scene where uh, the, the sheik, I believe, is Changli's daughter about, like, the horrible things that happened in her past. And yes. The Crypt of Tears has been opened. And so the butler was there and overheard that conversation while he was pouring their tea. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I understand it was a go-between between the killer and, like, the stuff happening in the house. Yes. I think that would have been fine if he was like, oh, yes, I'm Mr. Jeeves, and I was saved from a camp in the Palestinian war, and that's why I've been helping out all... What's his name again? Lieutenant, what's his face? Lieutenant Lofthouse? No, the other guy. The, oh. Not Lofty, but the other guy. Uh, the Sheik Khalil? No, the, the guy who was trying to put the gem back. Oh, <laughs> oh that was the first one I said, Lieutenant Lofthouse. Well, like, Lieutenant Lofthouse, whatever. Po- point is, <laughs> whenever I hear Lofthouse, I think of Lofty, because that's the only character that I recognize had that last name. doesn't matter. Okay. Point is, this movie is confusing, <laughs> in case you couldn't tell. Yeah, I, um, I personally... I personally think that the the mystery honestly would have been fine without murder. Yeah, sure. I think that it would have been far more compelling to find out that this train deal was, you know, going awry mm-hmm. and that basically the the drama behind there being a massacre in the village that I believe that they were going to put the railroad through or at least, you know, in the territory and thus it was going to rile the Palestinians up because it's, you know, a very tense time. Mm-hmm. I think that that would have been fine on its own to have yeah. basically this old, you know, retired veteran mm-hmm. 
come in and say like, my brother's trying to make a deal and you know, I want to underhandedly undo this wrong that I've done. Yeah. I want to make sure that my dirt doesn't come back and like hurt the family name. Yeah. Which is, which could be a very strong theme um, in the story. You know, obviously it would have had to stray a bit away from the murder mystery angle, but Mm. I think that the tension of, you know, this deal is going down. It seems pretty shady, but it it doesn't actually seem to be shady in the end. I, I think that that would have been fine on its own. I think that the tension and mystery of trying to resolve who's doing the right thing would have been fine. And then you get to the crypt and the brother's like, I just wanted to resolve this. And you have this heartwarming ending, this optimistic mm. ending where it's like, you know, we've righted, we've righted this wrong. And then, you know, maybe have a bit of a, a double back where it's like, well, you know, Palestine's still a very tense region. Yeah. And, you know, your personal sin doesn't, you know, outweigh the actions of the British Empire sure. or something like that. Sure. I felt that the optimistic ending of he managed to repent for his sins was kind of enough for the film to work with. Sure. I thought that the bait and switch of the father was unnecessary given how most of the movie revolved around the other aspect of the plot anyway. Yeah. You know, the the murders just happened alongside. There wasn't really any rhyme or reason to them. You know, we had the man come in in the rain and try to steal the pendant, fail to steal the pendant. We don't ever really get answers to yeah. who that was the the ex- explanation seems to be that the old butler man who doesn't say hardly a line in the whole movie yeah which is also very frustrating he's not a very present character and there's not a lot to even draw from mm. him he's mostly stone-faced when he's on scene so there's yes. nothing really to read on a second mm. second watch through um but uh he, it's it's he seemed to be a very old man uh and so for him to have come into this like archaeologist's you know, his like den of treasures and tried to like burn it down or steal the yeah. key or whatever he's trying to do and like pick a fight with Jacko in mm. particular. Like, well, I, I believe, insane. I believe that the scene with the archaeologist was actually meant to be uh, Lieutenant Lofthouse. You think so? Yeah, because you know, he was trying to get the gem so that he could go back and right the wrong himself, but then he, he discovers- didn't know where to go. Hmm? Like he didn't, he, he didn't even know like, or like how to solve all that nonsense. Wasn't that why he Well, needed? I think, I think that was part of the complexity of it was oh. that he thought he could come in gung ho, you know, uh, stop, uh, you know, get the pendant off his, uh, off his former compatriot, uh, steal it, take it for himself. Cause he already had the, the main gem mm. and then go, you know, resolve the curse himself. But he realized that because Franny kept undermining it, that it made most sense for him to work with her. I think you're giving it way more complexity than what has been designed, but it's not something we can know uh, off the top of our heads here. I'd, I'd be interested in like seeing uh, what the director and the, and the screenwriters have to say, you know, further down the line. I I think that that's giving them too much credit, frankly. I I, I don't think that it's supposed to be Lofthouse in that moment. I disagree with you. Uh-huh. But I think that the fact that you disagree with me shows that there is still a problem in how it is yes. displayed and written. I mean, that's that's the thing, right? Yeah. Like, look, we enjoyed this movie. Again, let's make it very clear. But the fact that we're even having this discussion over, like, did this actually make sense at all? <laughs> shows yeah. the inherent flaw with the film. Yes. That it, it does not draw enough attention to the things that actually matter. Mm. Um, despite giving you the actual clues to solve the mystery... Um, I mean, Miss Fisher says that towards the end of the film, you know, Lofty asks, well, how did you know it was the grandpa? And she says, oh, well, it was when he stepped in to defend you um, or, or to, sorry, to, to throw you under the bus when everybody thought it was you and it was actually your brother. Um, and I like I had noted that mentally I said, ah, yes, I see. So clearly the butler is like working for the, the killer. Mm. Um, I, I don't think it draws enough attention to him as a character. He's not nearly as 
prevalent as just as a random example, the culprit in Knives Out, who was much more present. Yeah, I, I think that it suffers from that that problem of focus in particular. Yeah, I definitely would like to see uh, maybe even an attempt at like a show version of this plot because I don't sure. think I don't think that it is a terrible plot. I think that they had their two hours to fill in with the movie maybe had their core plot and then were like oh yeah we're a murder mystery show let's fill mm. the other hour with mm. with murder and i don't think it worked particularly well i think that the core narrative of lieutenant lofthausen trying to redeem himself through vile actions by you know killing his uh, former his former grave robbing buddy and then trying to steal it and go you know make penance himself only to realize that he wasn't competent enough to get un- out from under the nose of miss fisher is a strong enough plot on its own because we still have the murder mystery of Wilson's death to set things up. We still have the payoff at the end of uh, Lofthausen realizing that he'd done the wrong thing. Technically, sure. you could argue that we still got that and him basically stopping his father's greed and sacrificing himself at the movie at the end of the movie is his penance. It is. Yeah. Like thematically, that is his penance. He dies. Everybody who was a murderer dies, and that's how we dispense justice in real civilized society. But it, yeah, but it feels so <laughs> secondary because yeah. of the bait and switch that the movie pulls on you. Yeah, you're, you're left reeling from this like incredibly strange pull that the movie is trying to to, mm. to pull on you. Yeah, um, that the sacrifice at the end doesn't seem nearly as it doesn't seem earned. Yeah, um, it doesn't seem like you know he's taking down a bad man with him. It's like. He's killing the. He's putting the butler down, mm. right? Like yeah. that's how it feels. It really does. Mm. I think the other thing that we haven't addressed so far on the show that I yeah. did want to raise is that the dialogue in this film I feel is below par for Miss Fisher's mysteries. Mm. The one that really bothered me in this film though was when they're reading the inscription on the back of the gem and they're reading out this like supposedly ancient curse on the back of the gem, mm. and it reads like an eighth grader's poem. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's a shame because especially for a moment that is meant to be kind of a big reveal, it collapses in on itself. Yeah, yeah. There, there are a lot of other nitpicks that I'd have about this film. For example, the camels not getting sanded, the That's CG Look, being a those, bit dodgy. Those are nitpicks that are those are yeah, those whatever. are ludicrous nitpicks that I will um, I will gladly overlook yeah. for the sake of this discussion it's fine because the movie is fun and because that's just what happens when you don't have the budget you need to make the tens of millions of dollars worth of movie that they may be aiming for for sure i think the thing that i will i will you know come down hardest on at the end of the day is that they need to slow things down they need not talk so much it'll let things breathe Mm. that is that is very much something that i felt every single scene you know you have about three seconds of setting up the shot for the scene and then it's just standard like flat angles mostly at chest height upwards and they're just talking to each other Mm. for the entire entirety of that scene until it's time for the obligatory like escape sequence or fight sequence which admittedly Um, might have just been a very wise budget decision to keep the costs of filming down i i i think that's exactly what's happened which which is okay and you know Mm. if that's what needs to happen to make this movie happen that's totally fine Mm -hmm. it is still a really fun movie sure i never want to see it again (laughs) but i am incredibly glad i saw it i am i'm not going to see it again um but you know if you want to see a straight up murder mystery about australian characters kicking butt and having a golden gun look it was worth it for the golden gun alone let's be Uh real uh this is the movie for you Miss Fisher and the Crypt of Tears in cinemas now. <laughs> Thank you for joining us here on Death of the Reader. It has been a pleasure talking with you 
about uh, about Miss Fisher in the Crypt of Tears, mm-hmm. the absolute wonderful, lovable mess that it is. Absolutely, absolutely. I I don't know if I can even try to rank this against my favorite murder mystery films, let alone stories. <laughs> But know that it has thing. a dear place in my heart. The poor movie. This is just so sad. <laughs> it, Why did it have to come out right after Knives Out? Oh, I'm just screaming. Oh, uh, anyway. bad. <laughs> Herds, yeah, it's been a pleasure taking you through this movie. I'm well, sorry. I'm thank- sorry uh, that I won't be able to catch up on points. That's all right. Because you're solving our next book. Excellent. Th- throw it. Throw it. What am I reading? You, I got my fists ready. I'm ready to. You are going to be out. visiting friend of the show, Simon Brett. <gasps> Simon Brett. Oh, yes. I know. I have to. I have to solve it. We have come from the theater-like trappings of Stella Duffy and Nio Marsh mm-hmm. through the theaters of Nio Marsh, uh-huh. through the wonderful overly staged dramas of Franny Fisher, and we are taking a step into more modern murders. Good with Simon Brett's Charles Paris. Charles Paris is that a, is that a man's name that or is, is that a, that is a, a man's place? name? It's not a place called Charles. It's in Paris. No. It's a man named Charles Paris. Okay, I'm into it. We are going to be covering the 18th book in the Charles Paris series, Alrighty. A Decent Interval, which came out in 2013. Herds sounds good. What what chapters will I be reading? Herds, you are going to be covering chapters one to eleven on the show next week. Alrighty, I'm into it. Nice and easy. Yeah, this is uh, this is going to be a fun murder mystery. This is one of the first murder mysteries that I ever actually read with the intention of solving it. Oh, really? Yes. When when we spoke to Simon Brett last year on the show, uh, it, it was a, a really great pleasure to me because it was like with him as basically my testing grounds for my methods of solving murder mystery to mm-hmm. having him on the show was really great. We're hoping to get him back on. We haven't heard back from him yet. But we better. We better have that summer right back. I miss him. But, Herds, I just want to let you know that this was the first book that I solved correctly with the method that I currently use on the show. Which method is that? Checking to see if each in, each character individually could have done it? That method? Yes, Herds. Oh, if, you want, if you want to talk next week about my method step by step, I, mean, I will gladly do that because this is the book that uncovered Look, it. If there's any time, I think this is the one. Fantastic. Herds, it has been a pleasure discussing this movie with you. We will see you next week on the show. We are Flex and Herds. This has been your Murder Mystery World Tour here on 2SER. See you then.